Welcome to Wiggly Podcast 52 from the Wiggly Sofa in Herefordshire, rural England. I'm Heather from Wiggly Wigglers and I'm joined today by Rachel from Wiggly Wigglers and Farmer Phil. Thank you for coming both. We haven't got Ricardo. As we all know, um, Richard <laughs> fell off his perch, sadly, and we're going to have a report from Richard from his home, which is called The Folly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so we'll go to... We'll go to that later. But what I must say is welcome to all the new listeners. Podcast 50 was mentioned in the San Francisco Chronicle and we managed to double our downloads that week. Now it's either the San Francisco Chronicle or it's because I asked you for a favour, dear listener, and that was to email your friends and ask them if they'd like to listen to the weekly podcast. So I'd like to say to all you double the number of people, could you do the same? That'd be great. And the other thing is that Rach makes lots and lots of CDs, don't you, Rach, of the Wiggly Podcast? I do, yeah. We distribute them wherever we can. And so I wondered if I mentioned on the show that if the listener's friend hasn't got a way of listening to broadband, would you make the friend a CD? Yep, no problem at all. And post it? And post it, yep. To wherever they are in the world? Wherever they are in the world. That's no a problem at all. guarantee from Rach. Absolutely. Thank you, Rach. No moaning afterwards. No, no. So... If you want to have a wiggly dip, a dip into life at Wiggly Wigglers, now's the chance. And if you haven't put a review up on iTunes, please, would you go and do it? Because we've still only got 17 on the UK one and three on the US site. Or put a review up on your personal podcatcher. Anyway, today we've got coming up Farmer Phil. Bit of an update on sunflowers, I think. Bit of a comment on Ricardo's demise, I suspect. Acorns? Acorns, yes, not good. Okay, and we've got Rachel, who is going to demo log-making. With paper, <laughs> with your waste <laughs> newspaper. Even the San Francisco Chronicle can be made into a log. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one you've got there seems to have got Tony Blair in a set of trunks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sample that we used, the newspaper, Tony happened to be on holiday in the Caribbean or Bermuda or somewhere like that, and he makes a good log. <laughs> I can't wait to burn him. Excellent. Uh, We're going to light the wiggly wood burner with the logs and see how we go in a while. And logs may feature in the outtakes, actually. Have you been round here before? Yeah. To look at the scene? Just look it up. You can't see it. Uh, there's about 22 foot up. I put the ladder and then I sort of galloped up the ladder to try scraping the fascia boards, you see, that I already started. Well, what sort of ladder was it? Oh, well, it's, yeah. it's a wooden one. It's well, a wooden yeah. ladder. Should we yeah. see it? Should we go and have a look at the wooden ladder? <laughs> Why Cause not? Because the funny thing is that I did repair the wooden ladder at one stage, mm. <laughs> but it hasn't broken where I repaired it broken below the repair so oh that's all right then in a way it's good yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. that's great so we're off to see the ladder to see right yeah so i hit the floor here you see this is a difficulty i was faced with because i came down from up there um you can see the gash in the gravel yeah and that was that was a difficulty i was faced with because as i was plummeting down i was trying to avoid these bricks so of course as i hit the deck i thought i'll try and roll you see but instead of rolling i drove 
my left side of my body into the lawn in an attempt to avoid the bricks edgings and as a consequence that's why I broke my wrist so badly and smashed the heel bone because that was the those were the parts of my body that I stuck out to try and protect myself and sort of smashed into the ground but fortunately I missed a missed a brick I've got a graze just on the inside of my leg there look oh yeah I hit one one of the bricks but nothing too bad at all yeah it could have been a lot worse couldn't it long way up could have been better even longer for you <laughs> yeah absolutely you only <laughs> fell a few feet really yeah I did yeah, I feel like a spitting distance really <laughs> so this ladder yeah that you were using yeah so could, we, could so you we, give we me a, a look at it yeah. well I'll tell you what it was a great ladder it, was a, it looked like a great ladder but um, so as opposed to borrowing a ladder I thought well I'll use this one and or then, even buying or even ladder. buying one yeah yeah obviously that would be this. ridiculous and then, and then this would uh, Ah, oh, yeah. ideal, isn't it? <laughs> oh no, Rich. There you go. That's what it looks like. Oh. But you see, you see oh. here where I where I I fixed it here. <laughs> right. Okay. So I fixed it there, mm. and it hasn't broken where I fixed it. It broke just below mm. where I fixed it. So I'm quite yeah. happy that my repair work mm. was, you know, was up to it. But um. Um. Uh, how do I put this, uh, dear <laughs> listener? I am looking at. A wooden rickety ladder which has the most crude attempt to mend it that I have ever seen in my whole existence. There's at least four screws in that. <laughs> if Pip were here, he <laughs> would know, actually cry. Yeah, and what's happened is that the guy who's meant this ladder has braced it with two extra pieces of wood, which is obviously completely stressed underneath the brake. Yeah. Um, and has actually caused the whole thing to split completely in half in one go. Yeah. It is definitely broken. Not good, is it? Not, not, not good. Not at all. good. So there's a lesson. So to be was learned. that at the top then, Rich? Yeah, that's at the top. So I was stood um, because it's obviously the top end of the thing. So I was yeah. stood up here somewhere, and you can see how long the, the ladder is. You know, when you put yeah. the two sections together. So this was up, and I was up here somewhere. Mm. And uh, yeah, you couldn't run went. down it. And as I know, because I could feel it going beneath me, you see, yeah. and it was like an automatic thing to <laughs> leap, leap away from this bit. Because I was, I suddenly thought, well, if I fall head first, you know, because I'm let, being yeah. let down, I suddenly realised how high I was up, you know, because you don't really realise you're carrying on, you know, you're scrubbing the facial board and stuff like that, and not really thinking about how high you are up. And as I looked down, it was a long way down, you know, mm. and I just thought to myself, God, I hope I'm going to be all right. And then, of course, within a split second, really hit the floor. And then the most excruciating pain shot through my ankle and my, my wrist. And I couldn't get up. I couldn't move, really. And I thought, well, I was on my own because Sarah wasn't around. And I thought, oh, no, what am I going to do? So I, I crawled to the hedge and screamed down to the valley, screaming Sarah, because I knew she was talking to her mate in the field with the horses. Did you not and think of help? Scream, scream. Help. Well, no, I don't want to say help because you have know, all sorts of people running, <laughs> running up then. <laughs> you don't want it, do you? No, I remember when we were on holiday in Greece once. I, I, uh, my gran hit her head on a... She had a bit of a funny turn and she hit her head on the apartment wall. And as I was a child, I was a bit panicking. I ran out this apartment building side shouting, help, help, help. <laughs> you know, where, where, where there were like a million people <laughs> outside the door. And mum said, what have you done? <laughs> this is even worse than coping with your gran. So, uh, so that uh, memory sticks in my mind. So I didn't. I sort of avoided shouting help and just went for the the individual Sarah. And she thought it was some yobbo screaming from up the up the road. And uh, but it was me, it was me. And anyway, she the the neighbours just below heard. And they came to the gate and they could see my head poking over the hedge. 
and uh, they said Richard are you alright and I said no not really <laughs> no, <laughs> not no. really and uh, uh, I was just amazed by the whole the, 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 how ridiculous the whole thing was and they came running up anyway to my rescue and managed to get me up in a chair and get my foot up and then they called the ambulance and out it came with the necessary bags full of morphine and, and strapped me to a chair and took me off. Right, be careful now then. So, uh, and that was, that was the end of that particular And so the experience. result, well, what the, are we dealing with the here? Result, Obviously, well, the listener can hear us um, <laughs> creeping, crutching creeping around the, yeah. the house well, on the gravel. The and I can happily the, say that Richard looks like a sort of balmy African explorer <laughs> in his shorts and... <laughs> what a, Explorer well, I dribbled, dribbled a bit of food down and a bit of like pasta sauce and stuff down my shirt because I can't I can't sit up properly because my leg I have to stretch out so I'm uh, sort of accidentally dribbling down myself every night and Sarah looks across and says oh and tries to lift me up and reposition me uh, it looks slightly balmy because his hair's too long yeah, yeah and he's got an well looks like a broken arm and a broken leg but should we go back and sit down because I can't bear for you to struggle much more <laughs> and we, tell us what, what has happened, what, what the results yeah, are. Yeah, we should do that. Well, I mean, the results are, you know, it's, it's not looking too bad. You know, within the next few weeks, I'll be up and running. Well, hope that puts you in the picture about what happened to dear Richard. It does raise one or two issues, though, doesn't it? <laughs> the preservation of woodworm is not a good idea with wooden ladders. Mm. Poor Rich, he's going to take so much stick for years to come, isn't he, on about this? And it is very funny when you go and see him. I went up to the path and I just waited to try and compose myself so I didn't laugh at him. And I waited too long and it just escaped. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, on with the show, my dears. Rach, it's log maker demo time. Oh, brilliant. Tell me what you've got and tell me what you're going to do. And I can't wait because... As you know, Farmer Phil is a little bit tight in the old fuel department. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't like us putting on our radiators. If any listener doesn't know, we get to put the whole lot on on Boxing Day, which yeah. is day after Christmas Day. And apart from that, <laughs> it's banned. Yeah. So it's great for me to see you with this log maker in the sitting room because there is the Jotal wood burner waiting to be lit. Right, fantastic. Okay, well, our new product for the next Wiggly Cast Log, and it'll be up on the website, is the Wiggly Log Maker. No promotion, please. Oh, sorry. Just tell us sorry. about the product. <laughs> okay, the product is uh, basically a plastic tube and an inner plunger. So you get your tube, you wrap the newspaper around the outside of the tube, like so. Haven't uh, you got much on in the evening? Well, telly is a bit boring, really. <laughs> it's a bit boring. And nothing I think much it's much on. better that Rach makes the firewood than I have to cut it, I must say. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is recycling. This is wood in your front room. No, so. Rach, is paper. Oh, no, no. It's wood, really. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, so anyway, you wrapped your paper around the tube. At the bottom of it, you just fold it over the end. And so my ripped up newspaper now gets scrunched up and dropped into the centre of the tube. Can I rip up Boris Johnson? You can rip up Boris Johnson and put Boris in. Yep. And as we've had Tony Blair. Yeah. So put small amounts in to start off with. I got Boris. There he goes in the log maker. Then get your plunger right. and push it into the centre of the tube. Now you have to be quite forceful at this stage, and you're pressing down 
Being forceful will suit you then, Rich. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so there we go. I've scrunched the first bit down to the bottom of the centre of the tube. Now pull out my plunger and more bits of scrunched up newspaper. All in the centre, like so. Yeah, Joe's been doing this. Yeah. Joe's on the Wiggly phone, isn't she? Yeah. Joe is uh, one of the Wiggly team here, and she's been actually taking this home and has trialled it as well. So How more many in the centre. How many she managed to make? Um, well, she's got her husband on the job while she's probably cooking the tea. <laughs> so he's been making these logs for her, and he's made several of them. Right. I've got to say, Rach, it's going to take okay. you more than five minutes to fill the log basket, isn't it? Well, you know, you've got a lot of pace. So you're recycling here. You've got to chop yeah? down the tree and you've yeah. got to, yeah, you've got to collect the wood in. I don't tend to chop down trees just to make firewood. I use hedge trimmings and thinnings and waste Yeah, but you've still trees. got to go out so and collect They've got to get cut anyway. This is the also, item Also, I've got you. to say, I, I am thoroughly in favour of recycling stuff without having to drive it all around the countryside. Oh, brilliant. So instead of collecting yeah. your paper, driving it three times around the county and then throwing it in a hole anyway, yeah. it seems much more sense to use it like this. Right, right so I've now got it <laughs> compacted in my log maker. Right, this so is going to be the wow moment. This is going to be the wow moment, okay. I push out of the bottom, so the centre part that you've been plunging is now in the centre of the roll of paper that you originally put around the outside of the tube. So you end up with a, a tube of log. And so then you have a bit of excess paper at the top, which you now twirl round and you have your log tube. There we are. Why don't you and just put the newspaper on the fire? Because if you put sheets of newspaper on the fire, they don't burn. They just stay there. And that you can go to the fire the next day and you can still see your compacted newspaper. By making logs out of them, you're in effect getting air amongst the scrunched up bits of paper. So they actually burn. Right, let's go to the burn. Right, well, what we'll do is just like we'd make a normal fire, so we'll scrunch up some loose newspaper and make a bed on underneath and then we'll put the logs, the newspaper logs on top. Go on then. Alright, ready Rach? Here we go. Let's go. The chimney's a bit cold so we don't know whether it'll um, it'll go well but anyway so far so good. Oh it's drawing well now Phil. Oh I can hear it. Could be ready for takeoff. Mind you don't melt the mic Rach. <laughs> Okay, I've moved it back now away from the fire. Well, we've got some good flames going on at the moment. Is it going to burn too quick? Well, it's burning, so we'll find yeah, out in then. a minute. Confident enough to shut it down? Right, we'll come back to that in yep. a minute. And we'll also ask Jo how her logs burn up in Kington. So, Farmer Phil, while the logs burn, tell us about this week on the farm. Well, this week on the farm... There have been some, some good points and bad. We, we're ongoing sunflower saga now because Patrick, our colleague, who's also got a, a crop of sunflowers, was confident he was going to combine his in September. I am now looking at December as being the likely combining date. They mm. are still very healthy and very green and quite tall. So we think December probably is the likely <laughs> time for that. And is there any chance of combining in December? We'll find that out when we get there. Obviously, we can't do it when it's wet and rainy, so we might be reduced to trying to do it in a frost. But being as we've never tried before, we'll find out, won't we? 
I met up with Angus Dalton yesterday, who's a farmer from, I think, Leicestershire. Yeah. And he grows sunflowers for cut flowers. And he said that because of the weather in the summer, they didn't grow. And then they grew like mad. And so instead of having several sunflowers to every metre, they ended up with one enormous one. <laughs> they said that the farmers and the, pe- the men really liked them. They took home one sunflower <laughs> for their wife. <laughs> but, but the wives weren't that keen, so they yeah. sold. They sold like one for a pound, <laughs> and took it home. I think that ours seem to be right in terms of size and thickness and all the rest of it. It's just that they don't feel inclined to ripen yet. Mm. But they, they'll change. You know, once we have the odd frost, they won't like that. So that should ripen them off. And they, they've set plenty of seed. So mm. fingers crossed. And then. Bit of a sad story, really. We noticed we had a few cattle in the field here by the house, and this year we've noticed there's been an enormous crop of acorns. They keep dropping on the roof of the car. Have you heard them? Everywhere you go, there's this big bang, and that's right. It must be a very good year for acorns, and we were aware of the possibility that once we had a bit of a, a wind and they blew some off the trees that the cattle might eat them, and sure enough, they started to eat them. So we moved the cattle away from them. Three days later, one of the cattle showed signs of fairly serious belly ache, and um, we got the vet, and it, it did look very much like acorn poisoning, and treated her, and we thought that was fine. It, you know, it was three days after she'd had the last acorn, and then we treated her for the second time, and I'm afraid she dropped dead of shock. And when we post-mortemed her, the acorn poisoning had had destroyed the lining of her gut, oh, and wow. so. It was rather sad and quite unfortunate, and I'm afraid that I have to put it down to our own failures of management. It, oh, it was our how fault. come sheep and pigs can cope with them? Well, pigs can cope with them because their digestive system doesn't work the same, and we think sheep can deal with them because they don't eat anything like as many. Cows seem to get addicted to them. It causes the gut to become static and constipated, and then the toxins within the, the acorns poison the gut. Now, I really wanted to talk about nettles on this week's show because Ricky has a lot to tell us about nettles and, strangely enough, nettles have been used for hundreds of years to help out with bellyache. So we shall hear about them next week. Why do the cattle eat something that's poisonous? Normally, animals don't do that, do they? They don't, but it's not infallible. Strange things happen, for example, things that we know to be very poisonous, like ragwort. If you cut ragwort down or wilt it, it immediately becomes very palatable, and they can't resist it, but it will kill them pretty much straight away. And there are one or two things like that. Some of the nightshades become very palatable when they're wilted and things like that. Buttercups are another one that will give them serious bellyache. So that those are management issues, and I just assume that ripe acorns they like them they like the crunchiness and they presumably like the taste they do seem to get addicted to them that once they start Mm. eating them they can't stop and you'll have one or two animals that will just go after them and they'll just hoover them up tony dale our neighbor told me a funny story last night which demonstrates that sheep can get away with them because he'd got some sheep in a field that part of it was a copse of oak and they'd eaten all the acorns on the floor and he said when you went in the morning to see the sheep they were all standing round in the trees, and if they heard an acorn fall down, they all dashed off towards where they heard it fall to get hold of it. And he said it was very funny to watch them. Our new catalogue's coming out. Ooh, catalogue day! Exciting, exciting. I think I've out. made the back page, haven't I? Let's have a look. Have a look. Actually, 
On the front page, we've got a new slogan, Rach. Do you want to read that out? Yeah. Uh, the new slogan is, all the ingredients for your organic country lifestyle. <gasps> I Ooh. like it. And it comes from Amy Stewart's San Francisco Chronicle article. So we're actually Americanized. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but Phil is on the back. <laughs> Bit balmy. Well, not as balmy as the picture on the blog. And there he is with toast in the sunflowers. In the sunflowers. Um, we've got lots of feedback coming in. So I'll read it out. This is a letter from Gwen, and she says, Hello, Heather and everyone. Sorry to hear Ricardo is not well, and sorry there's no podcast last week because you were having a lovely time in California. I live in Bristol and have to travel to London, Paris, and other smelly European capitals with work, and I always make sure I have loads of podcasts to listen to as I move about. It's not all glamorous, despite what most people think. The other day, I even saw a woman having a wee on the metro in Paris. Yuck. <laughs> I assume that's pretty dangerous, given yeah. that you've got an electric railway. <laughs> I think that might have given them more of a fright. Woo. Anyway, I always keep your podcasts for the moments I'm feeling at my lowest about being away from home and my beloved. I grew up in darkest Worcestershire and my parents live in Herefordshire now. So it's great to hear what's going on in the real world. Anyway, it's just a short note to say thanks for your podcasts as they really cheer me up. And that's from Gwen. And then we've got a comment from ecologist Martin Bailey from Wildlife and Countryside Services. And he says, I'd like to point out that Phil's comment about the supposed benign nature of Roundup is not as true as he might suppose. There is evidence that it can be extremely harmful to amphibians. And this should be borne in mind whenever he or anyone else uses it. Obviously, this would have a detrimental effect on your great crested newts, probably killing large numbers of them if they were to come into contact with it. Just thought you'd like to know, Martin. And you've been emailing back, haven't you, Phil? Yeah, we've, we've had a bit of a, a conflab on the subject because, uh, as you listeners might recall, Ricardo and I had a bit of a conflab on the subject last week or a fortnight ago. To cut a long story short... My research into it has shown that it's not actually the glyphosate which is toxic to the amphibians. It would appear to be the wetters, which is what Ricardo had brought up. And to my knowledge, there are several different formulations of Roundup, but they've all got glyphosate in, which is the active ingredient, but the wetters are all different. What's the wetter? The wetter is the bit that makes the active ingredient stick to the target plant, and there are different chemicals used. And according to which wetter they use... That depends on what recommendations they make for the use of that particular chemical. So that I've got two examples of Roundup in my chemical shed. And one of them has got the taloamine wetter, which is a natural wetter. Now I can use that in aquatic environments to kill waterweed in ditches and so on. And that's because that is not toxic to amphibians, fish or anything else like that. And it is totally benign. But I've got another formulation for use out in the fields which specifically says that I shouldn't use it near watercourses. Different wetter, harmful to fish and amphibians, so I've got to be more careful with it. And we've also been talking a little bit about how the soil denatures chemicals that we put on the land, and it's the clay fraction in the soil which locks up these chemicals. And so that there is some concern or some consideration should be given to what soil you're on. So if you're on a very light, sandy soil that the water can wash chemicals through it and into the watercourse, then you have to be more careful than if you're on a heavier clay soil. And the other point that we made was that the regulations are different in different countries. 
and Europe is probably the most tightly regulated area in the world with regard to pesticides and their use. And therefore, I'm quite confident in saying that the recommendations that are given out to us are right. And there were a number of websites that Martin pointed me towards, which I've been and visited and read. And I have to say, although there are relevant points made, they're very generalised and they don't differentiate between the different formulations and they make some very sweeping comments in terms of their conclusions. I've got a feeling that most of their results have to be treated with quite a lot of caution because they're, they're too general. But most better not to use it altogether. Maybe, if you don't need to, but having said that, it, it, it is one chemical that I think is very acceptable to use and very useful, but as with any chemical, you've got to use it according to the, the advice given with it. Richard very occasionally says if there's something in your garden like kutch grass, you either put some Roundup on it or you suffer the fact that you're going to be digging forever. So what do gardeners need to look out for when they're using this chemical? Because do garden chemicals have these different wetters in them? They absolutely do. And I think that the key piece of advice is that if you want to use a chemical for a specific task, say to treat some cooch or or whatever in the garden, make sure that A, you obey the rates that are given in the instructions with the chemical, but make sure that you use it in such a way that it only gets to where you want it to go. So don't waft it round the place and get it in the pond or over the wall into the neighbour's garden and all the rest of it. If you use it responsibly and sensibly, that'll be fine. Just before we go, two little pieces of wiggly gossip. Rach, we've got some new team members. Would you like to welcome them on board? Yeah, we've got a couple of new wiggly team members. Um, we have Hannah and uh, Karen. And um, Hannah's already started. Karen will be starting in a couple of weeks' time. And welcome to Dan, who started Dan Amy's yes. just a couple of weeks ago. And shortly, we've got Jan. Jan, yep, we're going to have a pool team of workers and uh, Jan will be one of them and she'll be coming in soon. And Dick and Dan have both passed their forklift tests. So going back to the Jotal, what's going on? Back over to the Jotal. Rach is just going to open it up and just as she does so I must just tell you about the wiggly t-shirts. They become a bit cult in the village. They become cult shirts. (laughs) We've got young folk coming to Wigglers for their Wiggly t-shirt. Now, the most popular design is Wigglers Do It Naturally. (laughs) So I'm not sure what's going on. But apparently, the clubs and pubs of Hereford are awash with Wiggly shirts. Well, I've always always said we were trendsetters, (laughs) particularly myself, as you know. The height of trend, the Wiggly (laughs) t-shirt. I'll get myself one right now. (laughs) Okay, well, immediately I'm... Going up to the Jotal fire, I've got a nice feeling of warmth from around it, so I'm going to open it up. Oh, yeah. look at that. We have burnt out logs with a lovely glow in the centre. One which is three parts burnt and is still smouldering away, so good heat coming out from that. I would say that this is a success. And I've got to say that there doesn't appear to be a vast amount of ash, so it has burnt it well. Also, that's probably one whole newspaper. If we'd have put that newspaper on without making the log, that would have been well over with no heat. All the heat goes up the chimney, doesn't it, when you use the newspaper? Yeah. I think that's quite impressive. I'm, I'm... Um, so the upshot is, if you can be bothered to make the logs, it's great. Yeah, they work. If you can be bothered to make them, they work. 
they probably work better in a wood burner than they would in an open fire, perhaps. Mm. We'll ask Jo, because I think Jo's got an open fire, hasn't she, Rach? Y yes, I think she has, whereas these jotels, you're able to regulate them easily, and so uh, you can control their burning rate. But anyway, that, I would say, was a wiggly success. Fantastic. Next week, Ricky's coming in to talk about nettles. I found out loads about nettles. Handy old things, nettles. Right. And my search has taken me to Australia. Woo. So that's coming up next week. And hopefully we'll have another report from Ricardo. Not the roving reporter, the static reporter. <laughs> I presume you'll be passing comment at the safe working at height directives that the government brought out last year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank goodness he wasn't at Wiggly Wigglers. No, absolutely. We've had the health and safety man round yesterday to inspect the place and he says we're doing everything just so. So hopefully nothing will go wrong this week. Touch wood. Yes. The Wiggly Cold Store is being built as we speak and it's going to be installed on the 16th of October, so yep. we look forward to that. That will house all our worms and mealworms. Absolutely. And so it's bye from us on the Wiggly Sofa. Bye. Goodbye. Because, of course, they, they won't let you leave hospital unless you have a bowel movement because they don't want you to, you know, don't want your spleen to split or rupture or something like that. So, so of course, they said, well, you know, you can leave, but we can't discharge you unless you've had a proper bowel movement. And uh, so I thought, oh, gosh, you know, I really want to lean, leave with a clean slate. I don't, want to, I don't have to discharge myself. So lots of oranges, lots of apples. Uh, loads of water, nothing. No, bit of, you know, a bit of remote grumbling. And this has been, this is a week now. You know, I haven't been, oh, I'm right. to leave for a week. You know, they were obviously conscious that there was quite a build up. <laughs> so I thought, oh God. So anyway, this, I said, well, the options are what can I do? So, well, you can take, you do some suppositories. So I said, okay, well, we'll give that a go. So the nurse came in and said, would you like to do this yourself or, or should I do it? And I said, oh, well, I can probably manage to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really, it's quite, it's quite an uncomfortable experience. They, the, uh, and the funny thing about those suppositories is they're shaped like a bullet. And you imagine that, you know, that the, 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 the pointed end will be the one you insert first. Yeah. But in actual fact, no, it's oh. the blunt end that goes in first. Oh, my oh. God. So anyway, lots of fun and games trying to do that. Of course, it didn't work, did it? It was only a little, a little bit of bit of my bowel that, that, that kind of crept out. So that oh. didn't, didn't work. And then... I had to have the next step was a, a, an enema, which, oh. <laughs> which had to be administered by one of the nurses. So there I was, arse bed to the world. <laughs> In comes a male nurse. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> so I saw, oh God, the, the indignity of it all. So I laid on my bed and, uh, and he did what he had to do. And so that was it. I had to wait. Then he said, oh, if you can wait for 20 minutes or so. So I waited 20 minutes, 20 minutes went, three quarters of an hour went, a couple of hours went nothing no movement at all so this was friday night and i really wanted to go i was so desperate to come home you know i'd been in that place for all that time i wanted to come home but no so I thought, oh god well i might as well stay here tonight now friday night so i stayed there another night in hospital and in the morning saturday morning sarah bought some some concentrated organic prune juice good girl that, that had worked for her in the past <laughs> i had a couple of glugs of that stuff three more oranges and anyway, you can feel that things were starting to move a bit. Anyway, I managed to go to the loo. And you know what? I, I've never been so 
ecstatic, almost <laughs> euphoric from being able to go to the loo. Anyway, managed to go, and I was, I had my friend, and it was funny because when I, when I, when I told the nurse, I said, "Look, I've been to the loo, I've been to the loo, I've left it in there for you to see because I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that they could." Uh, they knew what the, what the situation was. I didn't want them to think that, you know, they, that, that I was making things up. And uh, he, he said, um, I said, oh, well, that's, that's fine anyway. But when he walked back down to the end of the, the hospital ward, you could hear this, Whee! <laughs> <laughs> They'd obviously been discussing about this poor fellow in, in room 41 or whatever, couldn't go to the loo and had to stay in hospital and, on that basis. <laughs>